Sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And thank you again for joining me here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 16. Well, sometimes you got to get away from the microphone and the editing, and I spent this past weekend on the golf course. I participated in the Cleveland Heights Four Ball Invitational in Lakeland, Florida. So I play a lot of amateur golf tournaments throughout the state, but this one's a little different. In fact, for everyone listening to the podcast from all over the country and for the world for that matter, let me tell you what makes this tournament so special. If you think it's their golf course, <laughs> well, it isn't. Cleveland Heights, well, actually everyone just calls it the Heights. So it's not a posh country club with valet parking and perfectly manicured fairways and, you know, pyramids of neatly stacked Pro V1s in the driving range. The fairways are a little bit spotty. If you miss a green, who really knows what kind of a lie you're going to get? It's probably not going to be a good one. This sounds like your typical Muni. Well, it actually is. The Heights is a 27-hole municipal golf course run by the city of Lakeland. In fact, other than Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, this past weekend, the four ball, it's the only time the course is closed to the public. Yes, this course is all about the people. This tournament may not be hosted on the fanciest golf course in Central Florida, but what really makes it fun and successful is the people that run the tournament. It's almost like a carnival atmosphere, to be honest with you. It's everyone completes their practice round on Friday. And by the way, that's included in the entry fee, which is important. And after the practice rounds are done, that's when the real fun begins. There's a long drive contest with, with bleachers set up on the first tee and everyone crowds around with beer in hand and watches that. By the way, Mark Dahl, who was on our episode last week, yeah, he won that. 331 yards into the win, barefoot. There's video on our Instagram page, so go check that out. So anyway, long drive contest, putting contest, chipping contest. There's the glass break contest like you see on the Golf Channel. The bar's rocking. There's live music playing. It's just, it's a real party atmosphere. On the course during the tournament, there's white ice chests all over the place, strategically placed around the golf course with water and beer and sodas. There's a barbecue truck next to the driving range. So after you get warmed up with, oh, by the way, your free range balls during the entire weekend, that's important also. So after you get done hitting balls, go over, get a barbecue pulled pork sandwich. Where else do you see that in a tournament? There's beverage stations all over the course. If you do need reinforcements, you're taken care of the entire time. All the scores are recorded by hand by a team of volunteers on their big scoreboard. There is no shortage of volunteers, marshals, rules officials, you name it, they have thought of everything. And one of the highlights of the tournament is actually the final hole. It's a 185-yard par 3 up the hill leading to the clubhouse. The clubhouse has an upstairs veranda. And let's just say that late Sunday, everyone is optimized, shall we say, and it gets pretty rowdy. So it's not uncommon to be heckled by drunken spectators while you're trying to navigate a par on the final hole. So why did I bring up this tournament? The message to everyone here is this. It's the hard work of the tournament staff that makes for a successful tournament, not necessarily the golf course. This year was the 53rd installment of the Cleveland Heights Invitational so they are clearly doing it right. So special thanks to Tim Darby, Mark Acock, the rest of the tournament staff at the Heights. And if you're looking for information on this tournament, if you're going to be in Lakeland in the middle of the state around April, check out their website. And it's not an easy website to forget. Fourball.org. Yes, they own the website with the number four, ball.org. I'll put the link to the website in the show notes as well. If you're wondering who won the tournament this year, well, Dan Eggertson from Royal Palm Beach, Florida, and his four-ball partner shot 136, and they won by two strokes. Congrats to Dan and his partner. I'm sure they'll be back at the Heights next year to defend their title. Before we get to this week's guest, this is just another reminder that sharing the podcast, leaving reviews in Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you listen is extremely helpful. So if you're enjoying this, keep telling people about it. That's all you need to do. As a reminder, we are on Instagram, so check us out, The Back of the Range Podcast. The website, thebackoftherange.com, that's where you can find all of our episodes and is the information hub of the podcast. You need to contact us, 
that's the place to do it. Joining us here at the back of the range this week is Hannah Gregg. She is a native of California and is just now wrapping up her collegiate career at the University of Nevada. Very interesting person to talk to and really understands the relationship between golf and social media. She's working on her game and putting together a plan to turn professional very soon, but she also has plans to get into broadcast journalism at some point. So you may see her on the course with the club in her hand or perhaps a microphone in her hand. You never know. Anyways, without any further delay, Hannah, you're at the back of the range. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for making time with your busy schedule, jet setting all over the country. Um, <laughs> uh, before we talk about how you got started in the game and where you're playing right now and what you're doing, tell me about your last trip. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. Um, my birthday and my sister's birthday fall really close together. And so we've been planning this trip together for a while. Um, we decided to go to New York together. And we ended up going. And while I was there, one of my favorite things was that we got to go to the um, Golf Digest headquarters, which is in the One World Trade Center. Um, and it was really, really cool. I got to tour the studio. Um, they have like a putting green in the middle of the office. And I was pretty much stuck there for at least 30 minutes, <laughs> trying out everything. Nice. Yeah, it was really fun. It was, I don't know how you get any work done there, but. I got to um, meet the social media guy and it was super good experience. I had a ton of fun. And for me, I want to go into journalism and sports media. So it was just, it was so fun. So when you say the, the offices of golf digest, uh, what do they do there in that office? Is this all about their, their marketing promotion or do they have writers there? Were you there for like an entire day? Kind of walk me through what, what the experience was specifically that you got to, they got to encounter. Yeah, so that's actually their main headquarters. That's their main building. So all of the editing staff is in there. Um, the two social media managers are there. Um, that's kind of where all of the all the decisions get made and all of the everything goes on. So um, I got to tour. It's there was like three stories of just their office space and the views were just unreal. The whole building is made of glass, so every office space has like an unreal view of Manhattan. That's great. And yeah, it was so crazy, but it's funny. There's just <laughs> there's just pictures of Tiger everywhere and Arnie <laughs> everywhere, and there's putters all over the ground, and there's like TaylorMade's newest equipment just laying on a desk. And I was like, oh, well, is this for me? Or <laughs> just walk out with it? They got plenty <laughs> yeah. of stuff, right? What are they guys? Yeah, sure. Well, that sounds fun. Let's let's introduce you uh, properly to the listeners here of the podcast. So. You are currently playing at the University of Nevada. Yes. And this is your senior year, correct? Yeah. So this is my last semester. Um, I did my first two years at Sonoma State, which is a really small school in the Bay Area in California. And I played there for two years and then I transferred to Nevada and um, I redshirted my, I played my first year and then I redshirted and then I played this last semester. Very nice. And what uh, what kind of tournaments do you have coming up soon? What's what's these this uh, semester looking like for you? So this semester, I'm actually going to focus more on my own stuff and not so much with the team. I'm still a part of the team, but I'm a fifth year senior and I'm kind of <laughs> ready to be tapped out. So uh, I'm still going to be working out with the team, practicing with them, all of that stuff. But I I don't think I'm going to be competing. I'm pretty much off onto my own kind of endeavors and I don't want to affect sure. the team eligibility or my eligibility or go out on a bad note. So that's, I'm probably just going to be focusing on all of that stuff and prepping to go pro next season and all of that stuff. Great. Yeah. So you're, you mentioned that you're at Sonoma state. What brought you to, what brought you to Nevada? When I went into college golf out of high school I wasn't really I picked up golf kind of late so I wasn't really at the level where you needed to be to play D1 golf and travel a lot and have like that really good experience um so I kind of talked to my parents and I was like maybe I should go D2 and then play for a couple years and figure it out and get my game where I want it to be and then try to transfer to a D1 because my goal was always to play division one sure. um which is kind of the natural progression, right? Like all of the people on tour have always, most of them have played D1 golf. So I was like, that's the formula. That's what I need to do. So I went to Sonoma and then I'm two years older than my younger brother who also plays golf. So he was figuring out where he was going to go to school around the same time that I was transferring. 
and I just loved the campus and I was just really, I really liked the setup of everything. And I was like, maybe I should reach out to the women's coach. And I did. And she actually needed two transfers to come in. So I got to be one of them. And I came in the same time as my younger brother. So you went to college, you went to the same college as your younger brother. You both, <laughs> I mean, just by your laugh, I'm just thinking that there's got to be some stories about <laughs> why are you at the same bar I'm at or why are you around <laughs> campus and you spent your whole childhood with your younger brother just now how, how did that dynamic work just showing up at college and yep there he is <laughs> i mean we it was we're really close um we're close in age and we both play golf and he was really really talented so he was kind of we were kind of always competing with each other and playing off of each other and practicing together so um, we talked about it before and i was like if this is going to be weird for you i want you to have the college experience but like are you okay with this and he was like oh no let's do it why not so we came here together we had an apartment together for the first year with another person on the men's team um and it was good it was really fun we were we were really close we're still really close it was an interesting experience but we had a good time i can i mean i don't want to push for too many stories but there has to be just some sort of a funny story that just did not like it can't be all roses there's got to be one story where you um, both were like all right you're on that side of the campus and i'm going to stay over on this side of the campus i think probably the the thing that happened the most was our friend groups would overlap so i would come home and there would be the entire men's golf team in my house like watching football and <laughs> eating cheetos and i'm bringing in like my friends who want to watch gossip girl and like do our nails so it was always like okay let's just lock ourselves in our room while the boys stay out there uh -huh. like, nice but yeah that was a frequent thing that's that's crazy now now before you before you got into to playing college golf or high school golf, you actually had experience caddying. Is that right? Yeah, I was caddying um, a lot, actually, in my last year of high school, my senior year of high school, and my first year at Sonoma in the summers. And how did you get into that? Because, um, you know, there's really, there aren't tons of caddy programs. And <laughs> I guess, well, I'm over on the East Coast in South Florida where, we probably don't have as many as, as you do on the, on the West coast, but how did you get into that? Um, so there's, I was, uh, introduced to this guy that owned a golf course near my house and he has this, I guess you would call it a company called caddy crew where he provides caddies for these tournaments that are all up and down the West coast, but okay. mostly in Northern California. And I was like, okay, I mean, I love golf and I'm going to be the only girl there. So <laughs> why not? And my younger brother used to do it with me. So we would just show up to the course, um, to this country club in Sacramento. And I actually had the U S senior open, I think in 2014 or 2013, but it's okay. Del Paso country club. And we got to caddy there on in the summer um, and we'd do like double, we'd two bag it for like two loops a day and we would just make some cash and leave and go spend it on dumb stuff and then come back and do it again. <laughs> it was really fun. You are a true, you're a true caddy that you just said yeah. it right there, make my money loop all day and then go spend it on dumb stuff. I mean, that's exactly, that's yeah, some that, serious, that was, hardcore it was really fun. Stuff. Well, I, I would imagine that now did they just treat you as just the, the little sister of the caddy yard and everyone had their kept their eye on you and took care of you? I would just imagine that had to be the dynamic, right? I mean, I take care of myself, but yeah, it was really fun. I was always the only girl, so it could either play, I could use it to play to my advantage or sometimes people thought that I didn't know anything about golf. Sure. Um, so I tried to wear like golf gear so they understood that i actually kind of knew what i was doing but um most of the time i had really good experiences i've had some people who you'll read a putt for them and then they'll push it and miss it by like three feet and they're like oh well Bad she's read. not reading my putts bad anymore read. and you're like okay okay like you're right you're right that was me my bad uh -huh. but i think i think that's just normal caddy stuff i had a really good time it was so much fun i met so many cool people all right give me a good story about one of these cool people <laughs> um, I think probably one of the, one of my best experiences and memories was I actually got to caddy for the sports editor for the Sacramento Bee, which is obviously a big paper yep. in the Northern California area. 
and I was just asking him questions the whole time. I think he probably hates me now, but I got his card. So I feel like that's a positive. Um, but I was like, just asking him all these questions and picking his brain about writing and sports media and how he got into it. And he was like, can you just carry my clubs, please? But no. <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was a good time. So you... So that's great. So you spend your time time caddying, and obviously that that leads you into playing competitively. And you've had great amateur success. I mean, I'm seeing here with just some of the research I did. You you came in second at the West Coast Women's Am. What other? Uh, I mean, what are your plans now for turning pro? As far as the actual path you're going to take, is there a mini tour that you're going to kind of uh, play from between now and and when LPJQ school starts, or what's kind of your game plan to get started? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always wanted to go pro. That's always been my end goal. Um, I started, like I said, I started pretty late in golf, so I've always kind of been playing catch up. So I feel like now I'm kind of getting to the point where, okay, I'm on a comfortable level with all these girls and I can compete with them. Um, and I actually played in a cactus tour event in spring break of last year which was a really good experience. Um, I learned a lot. It's a, it's a different vibe out there. But um, my plan is I'm working on getting some sponsors lined up now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to focus on that until I graduate. I'm going to figure out all of that and make a tournament schedule. I plan on playing um, on the Cactus Tour for a little bit, kind of seeing where I stand, where my game is at, all of that. And then I I don't think I'm going to do Q school right away. I'm probably going to try to Monday qualify for a few events, um, some LPGA events and stuff and try to get conditional status that way. So that's going to be my first, it's my one year plan. (laughs) So we'll see how it goes. Gotta have plans. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that there's a whole different vibe out there uh, at the, um, on the cactus tour compared, I'm assuming you're comparing it to your college golf experience. Mm-hmm. What what are the differences that you're seeing as far as um, trying to play this for a living, obviously, compared to playing in college? But is it just the, the <laughs> course setup? Is it the people, uh, your playing competitors? What's what's the vibe that's kind of... Um, I It was a really fun experience for me. I saw a lot of people that I used to know from college. Um, so that was really nice to have some familiar faces out there. Um, but the vibe is just a little different. I think it's just the fact that there's something on the line, like you're paying for these tournaments and you're paying to be there and you're paying for your travel. And so I think people feel a little more pressure to perform well because in college it's like, yeah, you want to play well for your team and to represent your school and represent yourself. But once you get to this level, there's not really anyone else to fall back on. Um, sure. I think if you're not playing well, you probably like have to be like, okay, this I'm doing something wrong. It's not my coach's fault. It's not my team's fault. It's my fault. So it's, I think there's just a different, the responsibility level is kind of different. And also the stakes are a little higher, Um, especially for someone who's only doing that and focusing only on pro golf. I think if that's your sole income, that's a lot of, it's a lot of stress on your game. (laughs) So Yeah, that was the biggest difference I noticed. And I think people take it a lot more seriously in some cases. Well, I think you have to, if you're going to make that your, your objective, yeah. your, your career. So, so <laughs> agreed. yeah. So, so what are you, so you're, you're going to play your cactus tour events. You're going to kind of do your Monday qualifying to try and get conditional status on the LPGA. Um, is that pretty much going to be your entire, um, you know, are you working with any, any coaches or trainers or, or what are you doing now to get ready to play professionally that maybe you weren't doing when you were in college? Yeah. Um, so I have my team of people to get me ready for it. Obviously my coach here, my swing coach, his name's Phil Snow. He's awesome. I've been with him for a little over a year now. And um, he's really helping me with mental game and course management, all the stuff that I kind of needed because I had, I think, a lot of talent and a lot of um, natural ability, but it's kind of getting to the point where you have to refine it, right? And talent's not really enough. So he's definitely been a huge help. And then conditioning wise, we have a really, really good strength team here at school that I've been taking advantage of as much as I can. Um, and they're super helpful. They're helping me with nutrition, with all of my workout plans, um, with stamina, everything like that. So I've got a really good setup. I've got, um, some really good people on my side to get me ready. Excellent. And you're going to, you're going to stay based out of Nevada when you're playing the cactus tour or are you, what, what's, 
No, I'm going to stay here until, um, let's see, I'll be here until beginning of summer. And then I plan on moving down to Arizona. So I'll be based down there. Um, that's where most of the tournaments are, that nice. and Vegas. So I'll be down there um, living with a couple of girls that I used to play with at Sonoma, which is going to be really fun. Oh, a little reunion. And, little reunion yeah, it's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm really excited. And um, so I'll be based out of there. I'll be local and I'll get to... The weather here is just a little too unpredictable. <laughs> you can't really, you can't grind in Reno. No, probably not. Mm -mm. And there's probably a lot of distractions um, in Reno. And I can't even imagine what it's like to go to college near Reno or, <laughs> or, or, or UNLV or any of the, any of the schools. You're, you're just yeah. right next to basically <laughs> cities built for, they're just adult playgrounds. So yeah. How did you balance everything? Because you probably had to go to at least a couple classes. Colleges are weird like that. They want you to go to a few. So you had to go to class. You had to go to class. You had to, had to you know, play golf. How do you balance everything with all the temptations around you at all times? Um, I mean, our, for me, it's not a huge, um, like, temptation. I, I'm kind of, I'm not a super outgoing partier person that's not really my thing um i'm a little bit more introverted so that was never really a temptation for me um i have more fun kind of vegging out and watching tv or something something bad like that so okay. that's not really my weakness isn't like the casinos or anything um but it's definitely hard to stay focused because usually all of your friends are doing that sure. especially when you're if you're an athlete and you're friends with non-athletes but our the women's golf team has had the highest gpa in the school for i think the past three or four years or something so we kind of have set up that culture of school being a big priority for us and uh, other stuff kind of falling to the side it's kind of the vibe of these are your four years or whatever in ncaa like make the most of it so i think that's kind of the focus of our whole team um in general that's great to just say that so people listening that are either entering college or getting ready to play professionally understand that it's it's not always about the party i hate to say it but you know sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you got to get some work done and take advantage yeah. of those years so exactly you got to grind a little absolutely well, it's only going to help you when you play professionally. So um, yeah. you mentioned your interest in sports media. So is that going to be something that you're going to try and balance a little bit while you're playing professionally? Because if I believe you've been a little bit of a blogger. Uh, I, I do think you've, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a golf blog going at some point. Are you still doing that? Yeah. So my blog um, and all of my sports media stuff, I'm super passionate about it. That's kind of... Um, something that I've been interested in doing since I was really young. And uh, Sonoma, part of the reason that I transferred was that they didn't have the journalism degree. So Nevada does have that. So I'll be getting my degree in both journalism and communications. So I'm really excited for that. And um, I think it's going to be Balancing it is going to be interesting. Um, my blog is mostly focused on reviews and kind of funny sassy ways of explaining the game um sure. i really want to grow the game in general i want more people to play it and enjoy it because i think it's just um it's changed my life in a lot of really good ways so i feel like a lot of people who think it's kind of an old man sport would benefit from <laughs> trying it out um so that's my goal is to kind of make it more accessible in general that's the focus of my blog but my blog had to kind of take the back seat um in my college career because it's a little reviewing products and talking about that stuff is a little sketchy with compliance and sure. NCAA eligibility. So I just didn't want to mess with it. I was like, yep. I'll just take a break. <laughs> but now that I'm kind of finishing up, I get to start it up again. So I'm really excited for that. There it's going to be um, really fun. So you mentioned growing the game and, and getting young people interested in the game. What's your take on what, I mean, what's the best way, in your opinion, to get someone interested in, in the game of golf? Is it the signing up for lessons? Is it the, hey, let's just go to Top Golf and and hit some balls and see what happens? <laughs> what what do you think is the best way to get people interested in the game? It's tricky because um, I honestly, this is bad to say, my dad's gonna kill me, but I hated it for so long. I was not into it. I played every other sport, um, and I played other sports all the way up until high school. In high school. Um, and I actually planned on riding horses competitively up until I, my sophomore year of high school. So I was not <laughs> focused on golf at all. But um, 
when I decided not to do competitive riding, it was a little too dangerous and my parents didn't want me to get hurt. So they were like, pick another sport and maybe you can play competitively in college. And I was like, okay, well, why don't we try golf? And my dad loved that. He was super excited. So um, I think it really depends on the person, but I think most people that I've talked to um, have had a negative experience when they're young with golf or maybe when they're um, my age graduating college because it, it is a little bit exclusive and there's a lot of rules that you have to follow to do it properly and well and that can be intimidating I mean the whole even going to hit balls on the range like there's certain things that you're supposed to know that no one's going to tell you out loud really yep. so I think that can be kind of um, an intimidating factor when you feel like there's a <laughs> when you don't really know what's going on or you're not super comfortable in the area I think that's part of part of why everyone loves top golf so much because it's anyone can come and you can have a good time and you don't have to worry about messing something up. So I think probably the best way to get more people involved in it is to um, have more avenues where they can play and it's just fun and it's just a good experience. Top golf is really changing the way people think about golf. I think. Yep. No, I, I, I agree. I think top golf is actually, it's more of the social aspect and less about the golf. Um, exactly. Like I don't, consider top golf a place that i would go and work on my game i think no no that's that's a it's a place where you have a couple beers and laugh and and yeah uh, yeah and that's absolutely no i think it's a great way to to get people interested in the game with your research and some of your amateur finishes outside of of university of nevada you do have a second place in the west coast women's amateur and that was at seaside california so tell me about that tournament i believe you lost in a playoff not to bring up any <laughs> any sore uh any, any you know battle scars here but tell me about that tournament yeah no that tournament was a really good experience for me that was kind of um that was one of my first tournaments uh as I was transferring and going to Nevada and it was really cool I love Monterey golf obviously I mean it's the hub right like you're down the street from Pebble so it's a good experience no matter what but um it was at Bayonet and Black Horse, which is just a really, really cool golf course, really cool layout. And I just went into it with a really good mindset, I think. Uh, I wasn't really expecting anything. And I just, I, I actually teed off and made quad on the first hole. That's a big number. Yeah. And I was like, okay, um, this is going to be one of those days. But I uh, ended up bringing it back. And I think I shot 74 the first round. That's and great. so... I was, I don't know, maybe two or three strokes back going into the second day and everything just kind of clicked into place and I shot 71, which was the low of that round. Um, and it was so much fun. I remember just enjoying it and it was a really beautiful day and I ended up getting paired in a playoff with a girl who went to Stanford and um, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> she goes to Stanford. So this is like the big leagues. And I was um, really, really excited. And it was, it was funny because the last few holes, you always know that you guys are close in score, right? So, sure. you know, I'm trying not to look at leaderboards. I'm trying not to pay attention to it. I'm just trying to like make some putts or something. And um, so we end up in a playoff and we tee off, we get up to our balls and mine is just in this massive divot, just like, <laughs> like two inches deep, full of sand. My ball's just like fully in it. And I was like, great so I'm like okay it's fine we'll just like chop it out you're gonna get up and down it's gonna be totally fine but I ended up hitting it somewhere short of the green and not getting it up and down and she made her par putt so it wasn't a super bad experience I learned a lot it was such a fun tournament and um, but definitely I have a little like chip on my shoulder for next time I'm in a playoff I want to win it sure. so that's uh, that's gonna be the that's one of my goals <laughs> well and so just by you mentioning this and mentioning just being close to, to Pebble and me being on the East Coast and a lot of people listening probably have never played Pebble Beach or been anywhere near <laughs> it. So have you played Pebble Beach, Spyglass? Give me, have you played all those courses? So I've played, I think I've been on every single one except for um, Pebble. It's on next on my bucket list. I've played Spyglass. I've played Bayonet, Black Horse. I've played Nicholas Club. I've played um, Cy MPCC. Cypress Point. I have walked on Cypress. Okay. I have not played it. Um, 
that one's on there too. That's that place is gorgeous. Um, but there's so much good golf down there. It's so much fun. So it's um, Spanish Bay too is yeah. a really really good track. So if if someone wants to plan a trip out there and they want to play, you know, a, a four or five day trip to play some really good golf, and let's just forget about Pebble Beach at this point because I mean, that's <laughs> that's at the top of the list. Everyone knows that. But give me some golf courses that that I should hit or that a listener should hit and also some restaurants and places that you should definitely hit too. Cause I, yeah. I think you're a bit of a foodie. A little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Well, so, mostly so, candy, so, but I know food too. <laughs> okay. So, so be, uh, be, be the travel agent here for the back of the range golf podcast and tell us where we're going to play and where we're going to eat. <laughs> totally. Okay. So there is, a really really cool um obviously if you pebble is out of it so that's not even counting well, well, I think on the li- pebble, yeah pebbles on the list we just want to yeah like, pebbles the, on there yeah we want to fill in the remainder spyglass i think is absolutely unreal um it definitely is one to knock off of your list that's i think i don't want to say this and offend some people but i honestly enjoy walking spyglass a little more than i like pebble it's kind of a little more sheltered it's not so breezy and cold it's just really really pretty um and then poppy hills obviously is a really really good one that one's not as prestigious but it's just a really fun track and they redid a lot of stuff um i think two years ago so everything's in really really good condition so that's one that i would definitely hit up um restaurant wise there's a little gem called Little Napoli, and it's really, really good. It's uh, it's kind of, downstairs is a restaurant, and upstairs is kind of a rooftop bar, okay. and it's really cool. Um, their meatballs are A1. Okay. <laughs> one of my favorites, so definitely do that. And then um, Pebbly's, which is in the Pebble Beach Lodge, is another really, really good restaurant. So those are like the top. Perfect. You mentioned, obviously, caddying. You mentioned your tournament experience. You've also attended a few tournaments as a as a spectator and also as a standard bearer. So which tournament was this, and who did you get to meet? The U.S. Open in 2012 came to Olympic Club, and my parents were like, you're not missing this. Like, you're going to want to know that you did this when you're older. And I was like, okay. So we go, and me and my younger brother were standard bears for the week. So usually how it works is you standard bear for two rounds, and then you get to watch the rest of the rounds. Sure. And so it was really, really cool. I think we got the first day. Um, I saw Jordan Spieth, and I watched Dustin Johnson warm up, and that was a really cool experience. I was kind of hooked after that. Um, and, and so and, let's see. This is – this is 2012. Um, mm-hmm, so I was a junior in high school. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I was kind of, I wasn't super, um, I wasn't really hooked on golf yet, but I was kind of getting more interested in it. Okay. Um, and I wasn't very good, so it was kind of one of those things where you want to be really good, so you're in like the heat of the grind, and you're really, really, um, I was really focused on it and getting better. So um, I was, it was a cool experience, because when you're watching people perform at that level, you're like, wow, this is actually really cool and really competitive um so the first day i was a standard bear for gary woodland which was really cool and one of the groups in front of him on deck on the tee box was vj singh and i remember he i think he thought i was his group or he just didn't really <laughs> care and he shook my hand and i lost it i was like oh my god i think i just shook someone really famous's hand <laughs> and i turned to my little brother and i was like who is that and he's like are you serious that's vj saying like are you kidding me like he was so disgusted that i didn't know what i was like i'm i hate myself so that was really fun that was a that hope, was a cool tournament v, to watch i hope vj got over it i think <laughs> i know he was probably like why is this girl looking at me so weird <laughs> was she okay nice so you, was, you were the standard bearer for, for, for Gary Woodland, and do you remember who else was in the group? Um, Let's see. I think it was Gary Woodland, and I want to say Mike Woods, and I don't remember the third person. Um, but it was really, really cool. I mean, Olympic is a bit of a struggle to walk, but I didn't even care. I was like, this is so good. And, <laughs> and so actually it is. Uh, uh, one of my close friends qualified for the first U.S. four ball, which was played at Olympic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it is, it is a 
just a very, very difficult walk. No, it's not easy at all. And like the ending stretch of the front nine is basically on a side hill, weird situation. So you're like, okay, my ankles might break. We don't know. Yeah. It's everything is very slopey where you got to, you know, cut draws into left to right Mm -hmm. sloping. Yeah. It's it's a pain. I hadn't played there, but I heard it's a pain. (laughs) Yep. So, well, what did you see out of um, when you were watching these professionals hit as opposed to just seeing them on TV? What did you see in person that just really registered? Um, I think one of the game changers for me watching these tournaments, um, not only was it really cool to watch people perform at such a high level and be in the zone. And I mean, it's, that's something you can't really see on TV, right? You can't tell when they're locked into the target and just absolutely staring it down. Um, which I think is partly because of the way it's covered and stuff. You just kind of want to watch them hit shots. So that was something really cool. I liked watching their routines and how they warmed up all of that stuff. Um, and it also really sparked my interest because from a media standpoint, like I got to see who gets to be inside the ropes. I saw the towers, I saw the commentators, I saw all of the kind of sideline interviews. So that was a really, really fun aspect for me because that's stuff that you don't see when you're watching it from home. You don't see the people who are, um, interviewing them after the final, like after somebody chokes on 18 or something. So that, that kind of got me hooked. I was like, I could definitely do this when I'm older. It's a, it, I think most people don't understand how much of a full, like it's not, they're not just hitting shots out there. It's a full time. Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, they're, they're doing interviews before interviews after yep. they need to stretch. They need to, I mean, there's so many requirements on their time. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's probably one of the most surprising things. It's just, they're probably welcome. They're just so excited to just get into the ropes and just start actually <laughs> doing what they came there to do, which is to play golf. Yeah, I think so. There's a ton of distractions and I was just really impressed with, I think everyone feels like golf is just a constant struggle of like bringing yourself back to being focused and not thinking about your score and not thinking about like the future or the past or what you just did. Um, And I was just really impressed by everyone's ability to like focus on the next shot and not get hung up. And I mean, there's cameras snapping in your backswing, there's flash, there's people yelling, there's so many different distractions and people uh, I don't think you really see that so much when you watch it on TV. Yeah. You only see the camera angles that they want to show you. And so um, let's talk a little bit about social media. You know, this is obviously the new age where, uh, you know, we're, we're a little bit past everyone having a Facebook page. Now we're, we're into this point where it's just very immediate with uh, social media networks like Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter. Do you consciously tailor your, your Instagram or your social media presence for your professional career? Or is it just a, are you trying to do it just to showcase who you are as a person or do you really put much thought into it? Like how do you see it working for you that over the next couple of years when you're trying to build a, uh, build a career as a professional golfer? Um, for me, I think Instagram kind of peaked when I was in entering college. Um, so that was the app that I spent the most time on. Um, and I'm, I'm really conscious about how I portray myself on social media and stuff because I want it to be real and genuine. Um, but I also want like my parents to be able to go onto it and check what I'm doing and say, Oh, like she's doing well, everything's good. And I want them to be proud of what I'm posting and stuff like that. So I'm really conscious of that. Um, so I'm not, uh, so much for me, it's not really about my reputation as a pro golfer or as a person or as like a student separately because that's all combined into who I am as as a person so I like to keep those things all together I don't separate them I don't have one personal account and one golf account um because because I like kind of uh, I love all those things those are parts of who I am and I'm I'm uh I like uh showcasing all of that different stuff and I'm passionate about all of it so my journalism stuff always on there. My golf, always on there. My workouts, always on there, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I definitely want to use it because that's kind of what you have to do now, right? Like if you want to get sponsored or you want to make things happen, you have to have a big social media presence. And so I definitely have been conscious of that going into getting sponsorships and going pro. I think that's a huge um, marketing advantage that you can have for yourself. So yeah, it's definitely been a big focus for me. 
you know, we're just going to go ahead and assume that you're going to win 15 majors and win, perfect. Uh, right. Or I'm sorry. Did you want more? Is that enough? Is that okay? I mean, I was kind of hoping to beat Tiger's record, but if not, I guess. We okay. Can 19 major winner, <laughs> Hannah Gray, after you win your, your 19th major and uh, you, you shut it down and you want to focus completely on sports media, what would you like to be doing? If you have you pick your dream job, uh, and it can't be, you know, a co-host here at the back of the range <laughs> no. podcast, but I know, no. but I know, I know, hold it together now. So what, you know, shoot for the stars, <laughs> what would you like to do? Uh, what do you, what would you like to do? My goal is, um, I, have you ever seen Holly Saunders playing lessons? I have. Okay. I have. So she like obviously talks on the morning drive and she used to do, um, a lot of golf channel stuff. And then she did playing lessons where yeah. she used to go out and just play a few holes with someone and interview them as she went. And that is exactly what I'd want to do. I mean, I love the commentating side of it and I love the journalistic side of it. So that would be, I think a really good combination of um, all of that together. And it would be so fun to play with them. I would have so many questions. <laughs> I'm like already <laughs> ready to do it. I want right. to do it like tomorrow. So give me some people that you would like to do a playing lesson with the pros episode with. Well, obviously, number one is Jordan Spieth. Okay. Because I have, like, the biggest golf crush on him. I think everyone does. Um, Jordan Spieth would be really cool. Um, <laughs> also, Tiger would be unreal. I have so many questions for him. Yep. Um, especially now that he's in this new chapter of life and stuff. I think he'd give a different interview now than he would maybe five years ago or something. I think he'd actually give an interview now compared to back Yeah, then. exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it could happen. Maybe. Um, that would be really, really cool. And honestly, I think a really interesting interview, um, I would just love to do one with David Faraday. Oh, um, yeah. I think he's, he's so funny and he changed the way that media is, done and will be done and he's definitely changed the game forever so he would be one of the ones that i'd really love to play with see i actually like it when Faraday kind of tones down the the comedy mm -hmm. see i think people miss the fact that he asks very good intelligent insightful questions no i and, agree and i think sometimes, he's a great interview and sometimes they miss that you know when he you know does cannonballs into people's pools or you know, gets on a lawnmower and drives into a shrub, you know, that you can, exactly you can kind of miss yeah. that. So, no, I agree. Um, what's your take on tiger? You know, he has not won a major in, in close to a, a decade. And that's kind mm -hmm. of when, um, you know, things started, you know, either off the golf course or physically things started kind of unraveling a little bit, you know, you're in a different um, era than I'm in. Tiger, I, can't, I think he was the Tiger era, like the peak of Tiger, I was a little young for. So we didn't really get to see all of that stuff with as much um, involvement, I think, as someone who was a little older. Mm -hmm. So he, when I started paying attention to that stuff, he was kind of on like the downward tail end of all of the scandals and everything. Sure. Um, but so that I, I really wish that I had been like the age to really experience him in his prime, um, like Tiger 2000, Tiger 2003, just really, really cool stuff going on. But I think no matter what, he's one of the greatest of all time, right? Like he changed the way that golf is watched, that it's experienced, the way it's played. I mean, he changed the way that golfers look. Um, and I think he's a big reason that we're even viewed as athletes now. I have the argument at least like once a month at school with someone where they're like, oh, golf's not a sport. And I'm like, let me just launch oh, into my, <laughs> let me explain to you. Um, so I think Tiger was a huge reason why we do have the PGA and the LPGA tour and why golf is actually as widely accepted as it is. So I'm always going to be a huge fan of Tiger. Um, but I think he's got, he's just going to go into a, a new avenue. I think he's going to be, he's, he's already a legend. So I think he's already accomplished a lot of the, a lot of his goals. And I know he, I, I think he's coming back. I'm waiting. I'm I, ready for it. Oh, it's just, yeah. I, I, if I can see tiger on the back nine, a shot or two out of the lead chasing down any one of the, the young guys, you know, Ricky, Rory, <laughs> exactly. take your pick. I mean, that's, I mean, is is that just that's just crack that's crack yeah, for, for a golf it's so good. i mean that's just you know <laughs> how do you, yeah that's you can't ask for more if we get that at the masters oh. 
uh, so, I'll lose it. Oh, that just yeah. <laughs> so as far as golf now, are, are you big? Now I know you're you're a golf fan, but will you sit and like completely binge watch uh, uh, golf coverage? Are you a true addict, or do you just prefer to play? Or how bad is it? Oh, it's pretty bad, honestly. Okay. Um, I'm definitely. I think I would. It's a. I think it's a little. Um, uh, because maybe I grew up playing with boys mostly, but if you don't know Tiger's grandpa's middle name and like the type of color shoe that he wears on Tuesday, like people think you don't know anything about golf. So I think that kind of made me, um, I wanted to be taken seriously. So I was always trying to figure out some stat to drop or something to tell my dad so that he was like, Oh wow. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm like, did I've... you know that he has a like a quarter in his pocket at all times and stuff like that? I, I didn't um, I didn't know that that was a thing trying to gain your father's approval by dropping your <laughs> stats on him but uh, hey whatever it's not even but every anyone who I play golf with they're like oh she clearly like doesn't play golf and I'm like well I know this stat and this stat so here we go so is that is that kind of a has that always been a constant struggle that you've had to really kind of not just prove yourself on the golf course but just prove yourself just in general as, as a golfer, just say, Hey, I, I, I'm pretty serious about this. And has that always been something that's, that's, that's been a driving force for you? Being a woman in golf, I think everyone, you're just not the norm, right? So when you walk onto the range or when you walk onto the putting green, people are kind of like, Oh, like what's she doing here? Um, because it's just such a male dominated sport. And then you get, uh, if I, if you see a girl one walk onto the course and then two, she can, kind of even a little bit play decently you're just kind of pleasantly surprised which I always thought was really funny because I would play with these older men and I would beat them and they'd be like well that's crazy I just got beaten by a girl and I'm like well I hope so I mean I I do this every day I want this to be my job I hope I'm beating you (laughs) like you do this once a week and you don't even practice and they were like oh I didn't think about it that way but it's like um I think not so much a struggle because that's that's kind of a strong word I think but it's just it's kind of uh it's you always have to be conscious of people thinking that you're not going to be good or they're going to be sad when you beat them or stuff like that it's just a different vibe but it sounds like you talk a lot of shit out there am I right I mean a little bit (laughs) I definitely don't like to be um I uh I don't want to be like walked all over right yeah no I've learned some good trash talking skills (laughs) for sure I hope I never have to hear any of them. I mean, as long as they're not directed at me, I'll listen to them. But no, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. So. And now, time for a quick bucket. All right. So we have we have a couple other small or a couple of the short questions here. We have a segment called the Quick Bucket here at the back of the range, and these are just a couple of random questions. So Jack Nicholas, nineteen eighty six, won the Masters at the age of forty six years old. So that victory, compare that to a potential fifth green jacket for Tiger Woods. Which would be the more substantial victory? I feel like Tiger would be a very substantial victory because he he went through such ebbs and flows in his career. Yeah. It's a little it's it's not just another win and it's not just a win at an old age. Um it's a win after so long um from everybody waiting for him to come back and get another big uh, title under his belt so I think for me obviously I would be absolutely stoked and it's a uh, it's it's like the comeback of my generation so the greats obviously will always be the great but he he's he's like right now so I think that would be absolutely unreal uh, let's go with this one you can give a major championship to anyone in history male female alive or dead they could have Zero majors. They could have 18 majors. Who would you give a major championship to? Oof. Well, I would love to give pretty much any major championship, but it would be really cool to see maybe a U.S. Open go to, like, Annika um, because she she's absolutely goals. Like, from an athlete perspective and a mental toughness perspective, I'm just obsessed with her. And she played in a men's tournament. So I could definitely, if she had won one, that would have been a game changer for women in golf in general. So I would have loved to see her win one. Do you think Lexi will play in a men's tournament? I mean, I know she's played in the the shootout down here in Naples, Florida, but that's kind of a, you know, silly season to 
person teaming up. She's played with a female, but that's not really a, you know, a, a standard PGA tour, uh, you know, individual stroke play event. Do you think she'd play in one? Yeah, I would love to see that. I mean, even her or Michelle Wee, I mean, they both hit it long enough to make it work out there and they have really tight short games. So I would love to see both of them kind of, um, that would be really, really cool to see because it's not so much, I mean, you can put them at any distance um, sure. and you just have to make putts, right? So I think they could definitely scrape it around out there and that would be really fun to see. Well, I think that when, when Annika played, she played at uh, Colonial and mm-hmm. that was a fantastic golf course so i think i don't know if colonial will be good for lexi though because she hits it she might hit it too far <laughs> yeah i mean she she hits it a mile yeah so let me throw this one at you it's pretty well known that the the spring break trips of uh spieth and fowler and smiley kaufman and justin thomas that's kind of been a an internet <laughs> sensation of the last couple of years so it seems that spieth is kind of the um the uh the older of the group just the more reserved and, and calming influence uh fowler definitely seems like the the party instigator and the the leader of the pack <laughs> smiley is well smiley seems to be smiley and um yeah. yeah so put put together a trip for you and three friends tell me who is gonna uh kind of embrace each role and where would you go for your own spring break trip so oh my gosh! So okay. you're gonna have to throw one of your Here friends. Here we under go. The, you're gonna have to throw one of your friends <laughs> under the bus and tell me which one is, you know, the smiley of the group. Oh my gosh! Okay, well, I would probably be the Jordan Spieth of that group. I'm kind of the more reserved one, and I feel like I would be more focused on the golf aspect of the trip. I, could, I would be I kind could, of enjoying yep, that it. part. Not surprisingly. Um, yeah, and then the instigator. Um, I can tell you hands down right now that would be my teammate katie rutherford she's the one who's always like making us do trick shots and thinking of really fun stuff to do and she's so much fun so she would be the ricky fowler um and then i feel like um probably the smiley kaufman might be uh sarah rodder she's one of my friends who she was my teammate at sonoma and now she's on the cactus tour and <laughs> that would definitely, I feel like she would be a really, really good fit there. Um, and who's my, who have I not covered? Well, it'd be Justin Thomas, but I haven't really figured out what his presence is in that crew. It's kind of JT's vibe. I feel like he's more of like the, the person behind the camera the whole time, like instigating it, but then also just watching it happen and not participating. <laughs> I like that. That makes sense. So that would probably be, um, that would probably be my my teammate here at Nevada. Her name's Bertie. She's from Paris, and she's all she's so much fun. But she's also gonna be the person who's like, yeah, yeah, like go do it, and then she'll just like watch it all fall apart. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> it's so fun. She's yeah, no, she's a good one. That would be a really that kind of makes me want to plan this trip now, honestly. <laughs> okay, well, it's gonna be fun. But <laughs> glad I gave the idea. Just that's what we do here. We help out. So yes, thank just, you. Such a giver. We we facilitate fun. So um, well. Again, Hannah, really appreciate it. I will, uh, we will definitely follow the rest of your collegiate career and get everyone geared up for your uh, professional career. I will put the links to your social media in the show notes. That way everyone can, uh, can find you on Instagram and keep up to date. And really appreciate being on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And there's the conclusion of another episode here at the Back of the Range Golf Podcast. Special thanks to Hannah Gregg for taking the time to speak with us. Remember, we're now available on Spotify. So other than Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, I don't think there's any more excuses. You can find us everywhere. Check us out on Instagram. Shoot me an email if you have any questions. Ben at the back of the range.com. And next week, we'll see you again for another episode here at the Back of the Range. <laughs>